Lord, I'm so grateful for the freedoms that you give us here in this country. So many people have sacrificed so much so we can have the freedom to gather together in your name, to assemble, to worship you. I think about our brothers and sisters around the world who don't have those freedoms. Lord, I pray that you would bless them, that you would, uh, that you would have your hand over their ways, that as they're worshiping you, that they would be able to concentrate on worshiping you and not be fearful for their lives. Lord, I pray for these countries that the stronghold of the evil one would be, would be broken and that many would come to know you. Lord, I pray as we have the freedoms here to be able to worship you and be able to tell others about you, I pray that there would be a massive revival in our community, that we'd see area churches come together in unity to be able to share the gospel with those that are in need. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to remember that you have given us a purpose here on earth. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Our purpose is going to come up on the screen, and we do gather together, not as a country club, not as a place just to gather for fun. We do like to have lots of fun when we gather together, but we're on vision. We're on purpose as a church, and so if you say this purpose with me, it's to reach and transform people by the power of the gospel and biblical community. We've been going through the book of Mark, and it's, it's really exciting for some of you that you've never read through a book of a Bible before, and if you been with us this year, you're going to make it through the book of Mark. We're almost there. Uh, We're in chapter 13. We've spent the last two weeks looking at the same scripture. Uh, If you haven't been here the last couple weeks, I really encourage you to subscribe to the podcast of the message, or you can go to our website and find the message there, uh, and listen to the last two weeks where we talked about the end times, where we talked about what you need to know for the end times and what you need to do now. This week, we're not going to read the whole passage of Mark 13 because I've done that the last two weeks. We're just going to focus on uh, one verse. I'm glad you're disappointed that I'm not going to read, but there'll be plenty of scripture to read, I, I promise you that, as we look at heaven this morning. Did a little Facebook poll about heaven and what you guys think about heaven. I like doing this. It's always fun to see what you guys write. And some people wrote this, indescribable joy, a place where my kids will no longer be fighting. We get an amen for that, right? That'll be great. No pain and suffering. Of course, there's always a surfer that writes this. Perfect waves, left and right, where there's no crowd, so I can surf all day long. Fantasy baseball camp, one person wrote. Uh, Better than brand new. Free coffee as far as the eye can see. Um, That one person wrote, that one day in Florida between summer and winter. That's what heaven is going to be like. Where we'll have a new body, blissful, a place where it's filled with animals, trees, and flowers. I like this one. Someone wrote, we'll all have permanent smiles, but they won't be creepy smiles. And then finally, of course, floating on a cloud with a harp singing. You see, most of us as believers in Christ haven't really spent much time thinking about what all of our eternity is going to be like. And then when we actually do think about it, we have many misconceptions of what heaven is going to actually be like. The author John Eldridge wrote in his book, The Journey of Desire, he said, nearly every Christian I've spoken with has some idea that eternity is going to be an unending church service. Woo! You're excited about that, right? He said, we've settled on an image of the never-ending sing-along in the sky. One great hymn after another, forever and ever, amen. And our heart sinks. Forever and ever? That's it? That's the good news? And then we sigh and we feel guilty that we're not more spiritual We lose heart, and we turn once more to the present to find what life we can here. 
I mean, imagine if you were going on a mission to Mars and you were going to be on Mars for five years and you spent many years training to go to Mars and you're in the rocket to go to Mars and your fellow astronaut looks at you and says, do you know what Mars is going to be like? And you look back at that person, the other astronaut, and say, I actually have no idea. I mean, that would be ridiculous. That would be crazy. If you knew you were going to spend someplace for five years, you would look in and research as much as you can to find, try to find out what that place is going to be like. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, if you're a believer in him as your Savior, you're going to spend all eternity in heaven. That our life is just, uh, is, is just a, a glimpse. It's just a little time. It's just a vapor. And we're going to spend all eternity in heaven, yet... Many of us have no idea what's in store for us. See, the point for this morning is that Jesus makes all things new. He makes everything new. And we're going to focus on verse 31 of Mark 13. It says, The heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So what is heaven going to be like? If heaven and earth is going to pass away, and he's going to replace it with a new heavens and a new earth, what is that place going to be like? Now listen, there, there is going to be some mystery about where we're going to go. I mean, he's only given us a glimpse in his word about what it's going to be like. And even that glimpse, it's hard for us to even describe and imagine what it's going to be like. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says that the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us. And so he's revealed to us uh, a little bit of what, what heaven's going to be like. He gives John a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like and as Jesus was talking about the end times, the signs of the end of the age in Mark uh, chapter 13, he says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. In Isaiah chapter 65, he said that he's creating a new heavens and a new earth. And that's what we're going to focus on most of the time in this message is when Jesus returns and he establishes the final state of things, what that's going to be like. But before he does that, if we were to die today, we would go to the intermediate state or we would go to the present heaven. Now, there's nothing in scripture about purgatory, our soul sleep. So hear me very clearly, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about a heaven before everything else is restored. And we get a picture of what that's like in Revelation chapter 6. But before I read that, I want to read to you from Psalm 84. It says, better is one day than your courts than a thousand elsewhere. It's going to be unbelievably glorious that if we're believers in Christ, when we die, we'll get to experience heaven. But then one day we're going to experience the new heavens and the new earth where he is restoring all things. But before he does that, what is the present heaven going to be like? Well, in Revelation chapter 6, it gives a description of what the the present heaven is going to be like when it talks about the martyrs, those that have died for their faith. And it's only a few verses, but we can glean a lot of information from these few verses. It says, when he opened up the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the, the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were, who were to be killed as they had been was completed. So lots of things that we can see from these verses. I mean, first of all, it's the same people that died on earth or in heaven. There's a continuity of who we are. Also, that the people that were uh, killed for the sake of Christ, they understood that that's how they were killed. 
that there seems to be some understanding about what happened on earth, that there seems to be some connection in the present heaven. Of course, heaven will be a place without any sin, without any suffering, without any pain, but there still seems to be a connection to those on earth because they're even asking questions about those that are on earth. How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? There still seems to be a sense of justice that we want in heaven. And it's interesting that they're able to ask a question in heaven. So it's obvious that we don't know all the answers to everything downloaded to us when we go to heaven, that we'll learn, that we'll be able to ask questions, we'll be able to boldly come before the throne of grace. It's also interesting here that it says they called out in a loud voice. That there seems to be emotion there. That we're able to communicate with God and with others there. And it doesn't say voices. It says one voice. So there seems to be unity in heaven. And there seems to be a, a, a way to, to be able to see what's going on on earth without being affected by sin. Because they're asking for this judgment to happen on earth. There also seems to be some form of time because they're asking about how long. I'm not sure how that's all going to work in heaven, but there seems to be a way that through their communication with God and with others that they're still learning things, they're still wanting things to be known. It's going to be a glorious place that when we die and go to heaven, we'll be able to experience life without any sin and sin affects us so deeply. I was thinking about this this week. If, if my son Levi, who's three years old, if I put in front of him the best steak you could ever imagine, if I put that in front of him and then I put a piece of candy in front of him, which one is he going to choose every time? Every time he's going to choose the candy. Every single time he's going to choose the candy because he has no idea how great this steak is. And it's the same thing for us in heaven is that we get so caught up in all the things of this world that we don't ever set our hearts and minds on the things above. We're so focused on the candy, and God wants to give us this amazing steak with what he has prepared for us. So if we die today as believers in Christ, we'll get to experience uh, heaven uh, in the present state. But then he's going to come again, and he's going to judge the living and the dead. He's going to establish new heavens and a new earth, and this is glorious. If you're having a bad day or a bad week or a bad month or a bad year or a bad decade, this will make your day because as believers in Christ, this is not our permanent home. This is just, this is just a little bit compared to all eternity, and this is what he has in store for us. Then they saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. Now, all you surfers, don't worry. We're going to get to that at the end of this message. Don't worry. There's still hope for you. I saw the holy city and the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. It is going to be glorious. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what it's going to be like? No more knees getting blown out. I was with someone this week that has migraines all the time and it paralyzes him. 
No more migraines, no more suffering, no more losing loved ones, the pain of losing someone else. No more hearing about that your, your friends or your family members have cancer. No more suffering in our relationships. No more heartache in finances and job situations or at school. No more of any of that. All of it is wiped away. You see, sin affects so much of our lives that it's so hard for us to even come close to imagine what it's going to be like in a place where sin affects nothing. See, there's going to be no more poverty. There's going to be no more shame. No more depression, no more anxiety. It'll wipe away all bad things. You see, Jesus makes all things new. In 1 Corinthians 2, it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. I want to put up a few pictures right now of our creation, of our earth, what we get to live right here and right now. These pictures are amazing. They're breathtaking. These are little glimpses of what God has in store for us because the world that we live in is filled with sin. I don't have to convince you of that. You see it all the time. All you have to do is turn on the news for a few minutes and you see the effects of sin. But yet, even in a world that's scarred by sin, we see these beautiful images. And that's in a world that's affected by the results of sin all over the place. Can you imagine what the new heavens and the new earth is going to be like? No sin anywhere. Can you imagine the beauty? Can you imagine the majesty of what that is going to be like? We really can't even conceive it. You know, 15 times in Revelation uh, 21 and 22, it talks about the new heavens and the new earth as a city. I know some of you country folk are thinking, oh, great. I hate living in a city. I want my space. I don't want to be in a city for all eternity, but this city is going to be far different. See, this is going to be a glorious city with, with arts and culture and entertainment and sports and all the things that he's making new without any of the bad things of the city. And we're going to have plenty of room to be able to worship him. Believe me. In Revelation chapter 21, it describes what that city is going to be like what that new heavens and the earth is going to be like. And John is trying to describe it to us in human words, and it's basically impossible to do, but this is his attempt at doing it. And he carried me away to a spirit, to a mountain great and high, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, and it shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like, like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal, and a high great wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, and there were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city. I mean, even the way they measured it was made out of gold. Its gates and its walls and the city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. And he measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, which is about 1,400 miles in length. And it was 1,400 miles wide and, and high and long. And the angel measured the wall using the human instrument, and it was 144 cubits, about 200 feet thick. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. 
The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. And the great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be amazing what he has in store for us. I can't wait for that day where he's going to be able to show us all of his glory. I mean, what an amazing place that's 1,400 miles long and high and deep and wide. That's about the length from the, the coast of California to the eastmost point of Tennessee, from the Canadian border to the border of Mexico. It's a, it's a huge place. It's a huge area where there's going to be billions and billions of believers from all time there. And many of you might be thinking, well, is it going to be crowded? Well, it says that it's 1,400 miles high. And I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but it certainly could look like different stories of different creation. And we all have several, um, several square miles all to ourselves to be able to worship God, to be able to, to work for him, to be able to enjoy his creation, to be able to enjoy how he's making all things new. We're going to be able to experience how great it is in that great city. And so the action step for this week is to set your heart on the things above. I mean, it's, it's so hard to do to set our heart on the things above because we're so affected by all the things that happen here on the sinful earth. But in Colossians chapter three, it says, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. I found out this week that there is some bad news within our culture. You see, I found a study that said for every one person that thinks they're going to hell, there's 120 people that think they're going to heaven. But scripture says in Matthew 7 that we need to enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. You see, there are many people that think they're going to get to experience heaven that truly are not believers in Christ. And it keeps me up at night to think about people at Good News that come here and hear the gospel, and maybe they think that they're believers, but they're truly not believers. And so I want to give you a chance this morning to realize that each and every one of us sin, each and every one of us fall short of what God has called us to be and called us to do. But he came on this earth, Jesus came on this earth as a seeking and saving Savior, and he came for our sin. He died on the cross for our sin, and he rose from the dead for our sin so that we could be victorious over sin. And some of you have never truly put your faith and trust in Christ. And I want you to do that because he only provides one way. And I know some people in our culture would say, that's so unfair. There's only one way to heaven. But really, what is fair? What is fair is that we should answer for our own sin. What is fair is that there really shouldn't be a way at all. But Jesus gave us a way to come out from our sin. And in uh, John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So have you truly placed your faith in Jesus Christ? I want you so badly to be able to experience the new heavens and the new earth. 
as I was doing research this, this week, I just fell so much more in love with Jesus thinking about what he has in store for us. But then the next thought I had is, there's many people that I know. There's many people that come and sit in, in the church service on Sunday that are never gonna get to experience that because they've never put their faith and trust in Christ. And so I wanna give you a chance right now so if everyone would bow their heads and pray with me, if you would like to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, will you pray? And if you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior already, pray for those around you that don't. It doesn't matter the words that you say, but it matters about you putting your faith in Christ. So pray with me. Jesus, I'm so thankful that you lived a perfect life and died a death on the cross for my sin because I do things and don't do things that honor you and dishonor you, Lord. I need you desperately. I need you as my Lord and Savior. Lord, I accept you as my Lord and Savior now. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to turn from my sins and trust in you. If you did that for the first time, keep your eyes closed. If you did that for the first time, if you prayed that prayer with me, would you raise your hand right now if you, did, if you prayed that prayer? If you prayed that prayer right now for the first time, raise your hand. Amen, awesome, awesome, praise God. Okay, you can open your eyes. I saw, I saw one hand go up, and there may be some other you that uh, wanting to trust in Jesus, maybe you're a little scared to put your hand up. I wanna say first and foremost, welcome to the family of God. You'll get to experience all of what Jesus has in store for you because of what he has done for you. I know many of you are believers in Jesus. So it's okay, is it okay for me right now to talk a little bit more about the new heaven and the new earth, what it's gonna look like? It doesn't matter if you say yes or no, I'm gonna do it anyway. But I just thought <laughs> you might wanna be uh, asked about that because there's amazing things that we have in store. So the first thing is, let's take care of the surfers right now. Some of you are bummed that there's no sea in the new heavens and the new earth, but you know what there's gonna be? There's gonna be a great river. There's gonna be a great river in the new heavens and the new earth and the tree of life. And on that great river, you know what there could be? Some perfect waves on that river. It's gonna be an awesome uh, sight to see so surfers don't uh, despair. Uh, in Revelation 7, it says that the voices call out. So we're going to have emotions in heaven. Uh, we're going to have a, a, a perfect body. I'm not sure what that's going to look like or what age we're going to be. But we're going to have a perfect body where we're going to be able to uh, shout out with our emotions that God has given us. And when we cry out, it says that we cry out in a loud voice and there's communication there. So we're going to be able to talk to others in a single language. I mean, how cool is that going to be that people from our church plants in Mexico and in India and in China and in Pakistan and in Brazil, we're all going to talk together in one language and have fellowship together that's not hindered by sin, not hindered by language. It's going to be a glorious thing to be reunited with our loved ones, be reunited with those that are worshiping God around the world that we have connections with here on earth. We'll all look unique. God's word says it's going to be from every tribe and tongue and language. And we're going to look unique. We're not going to all look the same in heaven. And I love that we're going to be us without all the bad things. You know, you getting ready for, for church this morning and you're getting ready in the mirror. You're looking at yourself. Maybe there's some flaws that you don't like about yourself. Maybe there's some things in your personality you don't like about yourself. Guess what? All those things will be erased. You will be you without any of the flaws uh, that come from a sinful earth. Now, this is one of my favorite. In Isaiah 25, it talks about having great feasts. Now, this is gonna be awesome. I can't wait for this. Isaiah 25, on, the, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food. 
I mean, can you imagine what the food is going to be like when the Lord himself prepares it? I mean, it is going to be glorious for all the peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. It says wine twice there. Can I get an amen? That is going to be awesome. That is going to be glorious. Now, some of you vegetarians, you're despairing because it talks about meat. Just don't worry about that. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Now, I know some of you are really pumped about the feast like I am. Now, this next one I'm going to share from Scripture, you may not be so pumped about because it says in the new heavens and the new earth that there's going to be work. It does. It says that we're going to serve. It says no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and, the lamb, uh, and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. Now, on first glance, you may think like, man, I don't, I don't want to work. I don't want to serve. I mean, working here is so hard, but... Imagine work without any effects of sin. Imagine work without a horrible boss or annoying coworkers or without any paper jams or annoying clients or having to worry about when your next paycheck is going to come. We don't have to worry about any of those things. God's created us to work, and he's going to give us the satisfaction of being able to work and to serve him. And I love this in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. He says he's making everything new. He's making all things new. So all the things on this earth that you like, that you enjoy, if it's art, I believe there's going to be art there made brand new. If it's music, there's going to be music there made brand new with things we can't even imagine. If you like sports and competition, there's somehow they're going to be that because it's all things made new. There's going to be culture there. There's going to be uh, interactions uh, with others without sin getting in the way. He's making everything new. I saw a commercial this week, I'm going to show it to you in a minute, from a Northwestern Mutual Financial Company, and uh, they, they, they realized something about the human heart, and so I want to show this video right now, and we'll talk about it in closing here, so would you play that video, please? version of financial planning looks like. Tomorrow's important, but so's making the most of the house before they're out of the house. Spend your life living. Today's the day. Find an advisor at northwesternmutual.com. That is brilliant marketing, isn't it? They understand the human heart. That, yes, you need to pre prepare for retirement, but live your best life now. Get a pool. You need a pool. We'll help you get a pool. Listen, there's nothing wrong with having a pool. But what I want so desperately is a retirement company to say, you know, you have your life now and you have your retirement, but let us prepare you for all eternity. And see, that's the job of the church is to prepare our hearts 
for all eternity because that's really what's going to matter. God's word says that, that we, should, we should enjoy life. In Ecclesiastes it says, I commend the enjoyment of life. There's nothing wrong with enjoying our life here. There's nothing wrong with being prepared for retirement, but we need to be prepared for all eternity. And that's why it's so vital that we set our hearts on the things above. When it says that there in Colossians, set your hearts on the things above, that phrase, set your heart, is the phrase in the Greek, zeteo. And zeteo is the same phrase that's used as Jesus being described as coming as a seeking and saving Savior. It's about being on a desperate quest. It's being about, about, about being on a desperate journey with purpose. It's the same phrase that's used for the shepherd that lost its one sheep. It's the same phrase for the person who goes to find the lost coin. We should be searching out the things above with everything in our life because that's where we're going to spend all eternity. So if it's listening to this message over again, great. If it's reading a book about heaven, great. If it's about, it's about listening to other sermons or reading other things about heaven, we should do that. We should set our hearts and minds on the things above. I remember the first time swimming in the Caribbean as a young boy and snorkeling for the first time and looking down. And I almost just, just stopped right there because it was so amazing, all the things that I saw for the first time, all the different colors and the coral and the fish, and it was amazing. And that is just a little glimpse of what God has in store for us. The new heavens and the new earth are going to be wonderful. But so often in our American lives, what we do is we get so focused on the here and now. We can relate to that commercial because we want our best life right now. When in actuality, we should set our hearts and minds on the things above. We should realize that we're here for a purpose. That there are friends and their neighbors and their coworkers and their people in our schools that have no other hope but this life. They have no idea what's going to happen to them for all eternity. And we have a job here to set our hearts and minds in the things above, to fall more in love with Jesus, to fall more in love with his word, and to share with others what they need to know about Jesus, to reach and transform people by the power of the gospel and biblical community together because what he has in store for us is truly glorious. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so thankful and so grateful for the glimpses that you give us of the new heavens and the new earth in Scripture. When I just see those small glimpses that you've given us, it's amazing to see what that full picture is going to be like for us. Lord, I know there are so many people in this room that are hurting, that are going through pain, they're going through physical suffering, they have anxiety or depression, they're going through so many things that are hurtful. Lord, help them to be reminded that that's not going to be for all eternity. That he may heal them, he may, you may heal them right here and right now, but we know for certain for all eternity that we're going to experience all things that are good for all time. And we thank you for that. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.